Welcome to the show. It's In The Zone with you until 12 o'clock today. The time now is quarter past 10 and it's time for A Pinch of Salt with Peter Goffwood. Peter Goffwood, good morning. How are you? Yeah, fantastic stuff. How are you? And how's it to the listeners? No, I'm doing great. I'm doing absolutely great here in the studio. And um, I'm looking forward to today's conversation because today is International Day of Older Persons. Yes. And um, it's got. Yeah, so I I was kind of meditating on that myself and I was thinking. about you know my, my my cooking heritage and our family, um, and unfortunately I came up with nothing. Oh goodness! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would have expected. You, you don't come from. A, it's not one of those. You know, I learned how to cook as a as a, as a youngster at my grandmother's knee or any of that malarkey. Okay. Um, in fact, in fact, the, the, both. And funny enough, both of my uh, both of my grandmothers worked as waitresses. And that's about as close as the contact to the food in our family ever came. I'm the only person who cooks. Wow. But anyway, I mean, my grandma, my grandma or my father, so my paternal grandmother, she was she was one of these women who would jump up the moment you walk through the door and cook you something. Um, but it was always the same thing. It was always a fried breakfast, <laughs> um, and she used to do it in the same pan. So she used to have one frying pan that was sort of coated in grease and then she'd make him breakfast in everything in the same pan. Um, and it's actually quite interesting because my father tells the story that um, it wasn't until he met my mother and ate at her house that he realized that fried eggs were actually white. Oh. <laughs> whenever his mom cooked them this dirty, it was always, they were always brown and oh. black and tinged. Oh. And he, it was the first time he ever got white fried eggs was when he cooked. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So I do have a, a, a story that inspired me relating to all the persons, uh, but unfortunately it doesn't come, it's not rooted in my family experience. Um, what actually happened, I was very, very fortunate enough, I got a phone call, um, and it's wine-related as well, so it ties in with the food and wine theory, the theme at least. Mm-hmm. Um, a number of years ago, I got contacted by um, the guys at the Bondlin estate in Paul, um, and they wanted to know if I was available to cook for a day or two um, as a huntlinger helping someone in the kitchen. So I said, <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds a bit weird, but what... I said, well, look, actually, it's Al Biru, um, who is the, well, was, he passed away last year, mm-hmm. um, was basically the, the, the guy who ran, hit with his brother, Michelle, ran the uh, Le Gavroche in Mayfair in London. They were the first uh, uh, restaurant in the UK to win three Michelin stars. Okay. Um, and they pretty much set the revolution for what we know as modern British cuisine. Marco Pierre White worked there, Gordon Ramsay worked there. Most of the top chefs who, with their salt, worked under El Beru at the Gavroche um, at, at some stage of their career. So this dude comes with a massive pedigree, and he's, he's world-famous and world-revered. And so they wanted me to be his appy for two days. And I jumped at the chance. I mean, I was very daunted by the, by the whole um, affair, but, but the idea of it really, I mean, it was a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to spend two days. So I had to run around and get a whole lot of ingredients. He brought some bits and pieces with him. Um, but I, um, 
had to then be his skivvy for, for two days. And it was the most amazing experience. I learned some interesting cooking techniques, or not techniques, but just tips. There was one in particular we were doing. Um, we were doing a, a, a cold crayfish dish. Um, and so what we did the day before is you put this massive pot of water on, um, lots of salt in it, white wine, and basically just some vegetables, uh, onions, carrots, leeks, and celery, and a, and a few herbs. And basically brought, he brought this big pot up to the boil mm-hmm. and then dropped the crayfish in and then turned it off. And that was it. And then just left it. And we revisited the next day. And the residual heat that was in there and just grew I've never tasted such dainty, rich crayfish as the way we cooked it this time in this pot. Literally dropped it in the boiling water and then turned, put the lid on and then turned the pot off and then just left it. Okay, and, um, and, and you walked and away? Oh, that was it. And we kind of revisited the next day. I wanted to lift, started, I lift the lid up. And, so that was one of the trips. But mm-hmm. the, the, the amazing experience was this guy, um, was, he is... For someone who is so revered in the kitchen, was the, one of the funniest guys I've ever worked with, the most amazing sense of humor. And one of the funny things that actually happened while we were cooking is that um, food and home, we'd invite, there was a number of journalists and wine people coming for this lunch. And so the owners of the, of the of Vondling Estate had, had, had contacted food and home to cover the event. And um, so a photographer arrived. And I'd met the photographer. We'd done some stuff previously for Food and, Food and Home magazine. And I, I, had my, I had my chef's jacket on, and Albert didn't. He was just in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. And so the, the photographer, who had no idea what was actually happening, started taking pictures of me the whole time. And he was asking me what was on the menu. And every time <laughs> I did something, he was kicking away at me. And Albert thought this was absolutely hilarious. This guy had no <laughs> idea who was there to photograph and what the story was. He just assumed that because he knew me, I was the chef. You were the good-looking one. To, yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> it, got to a point, it got to a point where Albert was really taking the mickey and he kept on coming up to me and he said, so, so what do I do now, chef? Is there, is there, is there, is there <laughs> and it was absolutely hilarious. And then, and then um, uh, Fiona MacDonald, who was the, who was the journalist mm. writing up, she arrived. And, and then explain to the to, photographer oh. who was actually the star of the show, and it wasn't me. And it was hilarious. The poor <laughs> dude was so embarrassed. I mean, he didn't say anything, but you could see he went a crimson purple and kind oh, of shame. went into overdrive filming and shooting Albert. And it was just the most um, magical experience. We made this beautiful food. But he was just sitting with this guy. I mean, at one stage, he was topping and tailing beans, and he was sitting in a in little courtyard in the sun. And um, so he called me over. He said, come, Pete, come. I was chopping. I had to finally dice some shallots. Mm-hmm. He said, come on, let's pour us a glass of wine and let's sit out here and we can work out here. So I was sitting sitting directly opposite with him with a glass of wine. He was chopping, tailing beans and chatting about food and what he thought of the restaurant scene in South Africa and experiences. And it was just this amazing kind of just listening to this. But the thing was, was every couple of seconds, he kept looking on the board to see what I was doing. And so I was painfully aware that one of the best chefs in the world was still checking me out to make sure I was dicing the shallots finally. Uh. You know, and I was like very nervously making sure that, I mean, I nearly, I nearly turned them to liquid. I, I chopped them so finely <laughs> these days. And it really was this most amazing uh, experience to just cook with this man who was so knowledgeable. And I learned the proper way to make dope and potatoes. Mm. Um, that was another trick. You know, the, what we all know is the, the sort of layered potato bake. Yes. Um, and again, there was the, a brilliant 
trick. And I was asking about there's no cheese on top. There's no like potatoes with cream, salt, and pepper. Oh. But the secret is, and people you know, people who've done this before, they slice their potatoes, they layer in the dish, and they pour the cream over, and they season it, and they bake it. And you always find that it gets it gets a bit soggy, or it gets it, it gets a bit dry in the middle. It's never seasoned enough. The secret is, you slice all your potatoes. You then put your cream into a container. You season the cream. Ah. So you put salt and pepper directly into the cream. You can taste it and you'll see from the cream how salty or not it is. So you can control that salt content. Then what you do is you actually throw the potatoes into the bowl of cream and toss them completely the cream and the seasoned cream. And then only that way, each piece of sliced potato is coated with cream and it's seasoned. Uh-huh. And the difference in outcome is quite, quite stunning. And we cooked it at like a really low temperature uh, in a bain-marie. So he put the bain-marie, so basically in a water bath with a cloth on the bottom, sat the potatoes in there, and we had it at 130 or 140 degrees for about close on two hours. Oh. And this dish, I, I mean, the lunch could have just consisted of this potato dish and everyone would be weeping. Um, um, satisfaction. I'm going to try know, that. It was just the simplest of tricks. And I've made this potato just hundreds of times. And every time you pour the cream on, and you know, only when you cook it do you realize it's not salty enough mm. or it's too salty. And here was this brilliant way to make sure the cream is evenly distributed and it was perfectly seasoned. And it was just such a simple tip. Yeah. It was genius. And the entire day, or the entire two days was like that. And the nice thing was is that because it was out in Paul on the, on the first on the first night, I stayed over. The lunch was on the second day. So on the first night, I stayed over and had dinner with him, just uh, myself, his wife, and the, and the owners of the uh, of the wine farm. And that was just uh, uh, the most awe, awe-inspiring conversation, just listening to him talk about where he'd cooked and who he'd cooked with and all sorts of bits and pieces. It was just this amazing wealth of knowledge that was just mind-blowing. It was actually interesting because... I still remember it because it was the Monday, Tuesday, and the Wednesday was actually my birthday. Oh. And I just thought that it was the most amazing birthday um, I've ever had. It was like the most, I mean, it's one of those, I look back on it, it's probably one of the high points of my, I've been cooking for about 35 years. Mm. And I still think that is one of my high points. People say, what's, what's your most favorite? That is in my top three of experiences was, was spending two days with Albert Roux. That is special. Um, I, yeah, I know. It was because unfortunately he passed away last year. Mm. Um, um, but he was 85 and then and had left his mark, certainly left his mark and his legacy. His son still runs the Gavaros. It's now a two Michelin star restaurant. Um, and I've cooked with his son a couple of times. His son is a marathon runner and loves coming out to Cape Town. We actually did, he wrote the cookbook, the Van de Constance cookbook, um, and we did a fun job. It, it, it's just a story for another day. But basically, we came out. He came out, and ten chefs all cooked with different vintages of uh, of Van de Constance. And we had the most one of the most amazing functions we've ever done. And he was there coaching us off his son. So yeah, you know, um, you know, we 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 forget the wealth of wisdom that people are. I mean, there are not many chefs who are older than me that are still practicing, you know. <laughs> I'm 56, most of it. So it's a young person's game because of the the the, 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 the rigors and the, the hours and the physical demands of the job. Yeah. You know, so so we forget sometimes 
how much people, how much knowledge people have accumulated over the years. And I think, you know, it's not for nothing that the older people are the wise men of the tribe because they've experienced more than anything else. They've, yeah. they've been through all of this before and worse. You know, so yeah, this two days with Albe was, was for me was was an absolute treasure of an experience. I think it's important, and I think that anybody who's listening, if you've still got your grandmother or um, you know yep. an older person in your family, it could be an aunt, it could be an uncle who just knows how to bry, <laughs> that yep. um, you go and actually spend time with and say, why do you do that? Yep. Or how do you do that? Yep. Because once that's lost, it's gone. And yep. um, I, I shared the story with you that my mother-in-law was a home economics teacher. She was a very good cook. And recently, she also passed away last year, and recently... Um, uh, my sister-in-law overseas phoned and asked do we not have one of her sort of her recipe book and um, my husband Tim said no she had everything in her head she never cooked sure. from a recipe book she never cooked from from anything and all that has gone with it's her gone to the grave gone. apart from the odd sort of thing um, th- that Tim knows which is uh, fly cemetery and um, he makes yep. fly cemetery every now and again and that's about it and then the other day there was something sure. I can't remember um, offhand what it was but it's a handful of things that he knows from his mother and and that's yeah. all gone and kedgeri that's it <laughs> yeah so it's it's yeah so i i think um in celebration of uh, uh older persons today uh, yeah go and pick granny and grandpa's brain and say yeah. to them you know how do you do this and how do you do that and and write it down yeah and that also leads me to the next thing that i want to talk about the last thing i just want to mention yes and it relates to older persons so, if you are, don't have yet extracted your your uh, information from your nearest dearest, and you want them to stay alive as long as possible, do them and all of us a favour and make sure you get them vaccinated. Oh yes. Um, we are part. Of, I'm part of this um, Vaboom uh, vaccination oh. weekend that's kicking off tomorrow. Yes, in, that the trying to get that the yeah, president so, spoke so, about uh, yesterday. Yes, that's it. So okay. there's going to be a series of these campaigns going out, and we're doing the first one in Cape Town at the Old Neutral Centre in Pinelands Fantastic. tomorrow. So what the cool thing is, is that myself and uh, two of the teams from Ultimate Prime Master, the guys from Team Violet, which is Dion uh, Ventegas, and uh, um Baptist Faree from Team Acidor will be joining me, and the three of us will be Brian. So if you want to come say, how's it? Or if you want to come and get vaccinated and come and get a free Buddha withdrawal, please swing by and come say how's it. But most importantly, more importantly, come and get vaccinated. If you haven't yet done it, just do it. It's going to be there. It's going to be fun. There's other entertainment. It's going to be smooth, seamless. Um, but we need to do it if we ever want to yeah. get our tourism industry back, if we want to get off foreign countries' red list, mm. have all that much-needed money, not just from tourism, but just from economic um, uh, investment and development and have the movies and the people who make the movies and the adverts. And we want them to come back. We have to do better at our levels of vaccination. We're doing, we've done a great job up until now, but it's starting to slow down, and we need to ramp it up now before the summer because... Again, also, there's a potential fourth wave mm. heading our way towards the end of the year. And the more people are vaccinated, the less restrictions are going to be placed upon us because we don't need to, to dampen the curve because more of us will be vaccinated. Absolutely. Again, that equates to jobs over holiday. You know, if, if we get tourists back over the summer, that's jobs. 
in every kind of retail, restaurant, hotels, lodges, you name it. Um, but we need higher percentage of vaccination. So that's my, my hobby horse for the day. Fantastic. And uh, what a great opportunity to go and get a Buravos roll done by Peter Goffwood. It's going to be divine, I'm sure. So uh, <laughs> go off. And if that's your motivation to get the vaccination, then um, I'm all for okay. it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I think that'll be fantastic. And uh, well done for being part of the Vuma Vaccination Weekend campaign, Peter. I, I fully support and endorse it. And I, I really do. My children, uh, after having COVID, they can now go. And I'm like, yes, go. Yep. Off you go. Off you go. So uh, I really do... Uh, um, endorse that and uh, as a person who's had COVID uh, with uh, well yeah just shortly after my second jab I didn't have it as badly as a lot of people have had it and uh, it yeah. really is worth it so uh, absolutely so head on back it's it's at Old Mutual in Pinelands you said yeah, the old mutual basically is a, a massive centre. I think it's on Young Smuts Drive. That's right. You can't miss it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you're taking a trip into Cape Town, then why not just get your vaccination at the same time and grab a Buravos roll and uh, even a, a masked picture with uh, with Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, it's been a joy to speak to you and uh, I loved what you shared um, about uh, the special person in your life that taught you a couple of great tips. I'm certainly going to try that potato dish. My mouth is watering and you and I will chat again next Friday. Same time, same place. Same time, same place. Excellent, Vanessa. Until then, may the sauce be with you. Fantastic. Stay safe. Bye-bye. 